When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss cutting-edge science, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences in how to be happier. This week we'll talk about how to make up your mind, why it's helpful to identify your tell, and we'll reveal the answer to the burning question, am I going to get a dog? I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who has a cat, not a dog. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, I am dying to hear the resolution to the great dog debate. But before we get into that, we wanted to give listeners an update we talked about uh, my blankie, Gretchen, yes. on the podcast. Yes, your and blankie. Yes, who, I still sleep with my blankie from childhood. And we asked people to tell us what their blankie objects were. And we got a ton of response. And photos. And fo- wonderful photos. Um, a lot of people also had blankies, which was interesting. Um, one mom talked about writing an ode to blankie, uh, to her, for her son's blankie, which I thought was sweet. And a couple of people still also sleep with their blankies. Yeah. So I am not alone. Yeah. And teddy bears, uh, pillows. Someone has their, still has their uh, spinning ballerina jewelry box. And somebody has a Barbie doll. 
Somebody else uh, said their books were their precious object from childhood. Well, I totally feel that way. I love my books from childhood. And in fact, this exercise reminds me of two children's books that I love that are very apt. One is Rebecca Caudill's The Best Love Doll, such a sweet book, and Dare Wright's Uncanny books like Make Me Real and The Lonely Doll about very special blanky type objects. Thanks to everyone for sending those in and um, also to the person who said you don't have anything special from childhood because you were the oldest and your (laughs) younger siblings destroyed everything. Uh, Uh, Sorry for that. Yeah, very sad. All right, Gretchen, this week's Try This at Home has to do with the discussion we had in episode 24 about whether or not you should get a dog. Yes. It's been, it's been a lot of discussion, <laughs> so I want to I want the big reveal. Yeah. What what ha- what'd you decide? Okay, so this is going to be a very long-winded answer. Um, okay. Now, one of the I'm an upholder in the four tendencies framework, and I knew that I could say no. So I didn't feel like I had to say yes just because other people in my family wanted me to say yes. I felt that I could say no. And I knew that if I did say yes, it had to be because I was doing it for myself. Um, And several uh, listeners made this point, which is that if you do it for other people, you're going to feel resentful because you'll end up doing a lot of work and you'll just feel put upon. um, And that's not even fair to the dog. It's not fair to you. So be very cautious. And so I knew if I did it, I had to be doing it for my own reasons, do it for myself. And so why would I do it for myself? And as I explained in episode 24, like I was really caught between trying mm-hmm. to make a decision. Because on the one hand, I, th- I know myself. I don't like errands. I don't like trouble. I'm not, I'm not a dog person. Um, I knew I would end up doing tons of work. Like it makes it harder to travel and make plans, on and on and on. But I also knew on the other side that all the happiness research suggests that dogs do a lot to make people happier and healthier. And it's a whole important relationship and relationships build happiness. I knew it would make everybody in my family happy. And that's important to me. And I also really did suspect, and I do suspect, that on the other side, I'll be glad that I got a dog. Like right now, I'm like, eh, do I want a dog? But then I thought if I had a dog, I thought I would look back and be like, yes, I'm glad I had a dog. And many listeners said that. They were like, I wasn't sure, or I was scared of my dog, or whatever. Um, but now I'm glad I had my dog. So I was caught. I was, okay. I was, I was, I had these pros and cons. They felt very balanced. And I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and this is the tried this at home, which I'm getting to slowly which is how do you make a decision, an important decision, when you feel like you're caught between the pros and the cons? You know, you've made your list on your legal pad and you, and you can't figure out what to do. And so a friend of mine told me this thing that she thinks about, and it's so helpful. So this is the try this at home tip. If you're caught trying to make a decision, choose the bigger life. And the thing that I love about this and why Choose the Bigger Life is so helpful is that it's not the same for everyone. It reveals a lot about you to what you would decide was the bigger life. For some people, not getting a dog would be a bigger life because they want to travel. They want to have adventure. They want freedom. They want the money. They don't want to spend the money in that way. They have other important things that they need to do. And the bigger life would be, no, not to have the dog. But I realized that for me, the bigger life was to have the dog because I can only grow. I can only have the atmosphere of growth from the inside. Like for me, it would be a better relationship. It'd be like learning this whole new area of the world. You know, I've been reading all these dog books, right. you know, trying to think about it. It kind of opens up the world and, and it's going to be so important to my family. It'll be some whole new adventure, some whole new thing that we'll share. 
So you are getting a dog. Yes. Okay. We're getting a dog. We need a sound effect. Bingo was his name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. We're getting a dog. We're choose the bigger yeah. life in my case. Uh, and in the case of my family, that was the bigger life for us. Now, how about you, Elizabeth? Is there a point where you were sort of trying to decide, you were kind of on the fence, and you decided to choose the bigger life, and you were glad you did? Yeah, well, it's going to be a little anticlimactic after weeks <laughs> of, 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 of angst over the dog. But um, one, one example I can think of is a few years ago, Sarah and I were making a pilot. And Which one? The question uh, was called The Selection. It did not go to series. Yeah. Um, but the question came up as to where we were going to shoot it. And the studio said we could go to Budapest to Ooh. shoot if we chose to. Um, it's, it's a, you save a lot of money being there and it's very beautiful and they had all the kinds of things that we needed in terms of locations. However, they had never shot anything there. There's, you know, a language barrier. There's all sorts of, you know, obstacles in doing that. And so we were just sort of debating and debating this and we decided to go for it and have this crazy adventure. We didn't know how it would turn out. And I think it was choosing the bigger life. It was like, okay, we're totally scared. This could be a disaster, but let's go for it and try something new. And we were both so glad we did, even though it was really difficult. Sarah had to bring her seven month old baby. So, I mean, she was, she really had a, you know, harder than I No, did. And I remember when you were, you were ordering your heavy duty, hard, cold weather gear. It was like, yes. like going to the North Pole. <gasps> yes, that was, that was scary. And we did shoot in snow a lot that year. And then, I mean, you and I, Gretch, when doing this podcast is choosing the bigger life. Yes, because we were like, you know, it's it's something new. It's a challenge. Um, and we went to our we went to the conference. We went to we recently went to a podcast conference together, podcast movement in Texas, and uh, yeah, to embrace this new aspect of our identity it was very exciting. Yeah, that was super fun. And we got to meet Matt Lieber from uh, Gimlet, which was exciting for me because I'm a big startup fan. Yeah, we're both huge startup fans. So, um, yeah, that was like a little starstruck moment. Um, So let us know if you do try this at home and if choosing the bigger life is a helpful question for you to consider. And again, thanks to everybody who weighed in on the big dog issue. It's, uh, It's a weight off my mind to have that decided. And Gretch, there will be a photo of the dog once you get it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
So, Elizabeth, here is a question to help you know yourself better. And the question is, what's your tell? And what is a tell? What do you mean by that? So in gambling, a tell is when a person makes a change in behavior that reveals their inner state. So gamblers are looking for tells because they're trying to figure out whether other players are holding good hands or bad hands. So, you know, if you have some kind of little tick that reveals whether you're happy or you're sad or you're nervous. And so that's the tell. And how does how do tells manifest in just like everyday life? Well, so one of the things that I think is true is that it's it's hard to know ourselves because it's just hard to look directly at yourself. So it's really helpful to have these these questions that you ask that sort of shine an indirect spotlight on your nature. And one of the things, at least for me, that's true is that often when I'm anxious, I'm not even really aware that I'm anxious. Like I'll have a low level feeling of uneasiness or I'm worried about something, but I don't, I I kind of haven't even allowed myself to acknowledge it. And what I realized is that I have this super obvious tell, which is that when I get anxious, I start rereading my favorite works of children's literature. And the more anxious I am, the further back I go. And so like if I'm reading B is for Betsy or The Wizard of Oz, it's like, it's bad. It's DEF CON. (laughs) Yeah. But I didn't realize this for the longest time that I have this like really obvious tell. And now it helps me if I catch myself doing that. I'm like, wait a minute, like catch a clue. That's funny. Well, that that seems like a pretty um, benign tell, I have to say. No, no. And, it, and, and like now now that I know that I have this tell, I can use it. Um, so like I was doing when I was writing better than before, I was doing this massive edit. I mean, it was it was massive. It, just to say that um, at the beginning, the book was 140,000 words. And by the end, it was 80,000 words and no wow. ideas were cut. That was just just massive reorganization and, and slenderizing. Um, and I knew that and I, I was like, you know what? To be able to deal with this, I am going to allow myself to do something that I've held off doing for years, which is to reread the entire Harry Potter series from the beginning. And that's what I did to calm myself during this, during that time. (laughs) So self-medicating through Harry Potter. Um, How about you? Do you have a tell? Well, I have a very physical tell, which is uh, more like the gambling analogy. I've mentioned this many times that when I'm nervous, my voice shakes Uh, And it's just the worst. And so you just know automatically how I know that I'm anxious and nervous. And sometimes it'll pop up when I'm not even expecting it. And that's how I know I'm nervous. Oh, right. So it is is a tell that allows you to know yourself better because you're like, I didn't realize I was nervous, but now that I hear Yes. Yeah. Um, and like, but it, like, for instance, it happened when I was doing voir dire, like for a jury, you know, I had to answer questions. I was like hyperventilating and my voice was shaking. It was so embarrassing. And I think it was because I was anxious about getting on this jury because I had all this work I had to do. And, you know, I was concerned about the deadlines. I also was thinking that, you know, for me, this is more like your um, children's literature, but on the other side of the cultural spectrum, which is that the the more stressed I am, the worse reality TV I watch. <laughs> you know, so there's like a bar and I won't name any shows, so I don't want to do that. But there's like the good stuff. And then there's the bad stuff. Right. And I'll dive deep into the bad stuff when I'm really stressed. Um, stuff I wouldn't even admit to you that I watch. Now, hey, now don't I remember that you had you work with somebody who had to tell? Uh, oh, well, Sean Ryan, our old my old boss at The Shield, who I adore, his thing was 
when he came into the room with two Cokes and a bag of M&Ms, <laughs> then you knew, okay, he's serious. We're going to get a lot of work done in the next two hours. And when those two Cokes and the M&Ms came out, it was like down to business. Now, do you think he knew it? I mean, you knew it was his tell. Did he know it was his tell? I don't know. I think he might have, but... Um, I think he did, because I think eventually everyone would start pointing it out, like, right, oh, right. he's got the two Cokes and the M&Ms, like, get ready. But it's just funny how those how those things kind of emerge. So listeners, let us know, like, do you have a tell? Like, do you have a way, like some behavior that you do, something that ha- that you do that shows your inner state of mind, even if you don't really, aren't really even aware of your inner state of mind? It'd be fascinating to hear what other people's tells are. Gretchen, this week we have a listener question from Allison in Liverpool in the UK, which is exciting. Uh, She says, I can't answer the question, how are you, in a light, positive manner. Whenever I'm asked, I always have to throw in a complaint. Oh, I'm really tired. Well, I've got so much work to do. And if I'm at work, I'd rather be at home. I'm a high school teacher, and while the job is exhausting at times and can be stressful, I genuinely love what I do and where I work, but I seem incapable of just saying, I'm fine, thanks. I don't know how or when this started, and as soon as the words leave my mouth, I'm kicking myself on the inside, but it's just a natural reflex. I've reached the point now where a lot of the time I just say hi to the person who's greeted me and ignore the question. So people will think I'm either a complainer or rude. Ladies, can you help? Well, you know, (laughs) well, Allison's question brings up a tension that comes up a lot within the area of happiness, which is on the one hand, we want to be very authentic and true to to ourselves and our our actual experience. And then on the other hand, we really want to be positive and uh, amplify good feelings. And so she's sort of in this thing like, well, I want to be authentic, but I also don't want to be negative. And yet I have these negative feelings. And so what's helpful for me to think is when I when I feel that tension myself is to think, well, is there can I look for something within the experience where I can be authentically positive? Um, Sure, there are things where I would be authentically negative, but there's probably authentically (laughs) positive things, too. And basically, it sounds like Allison's a person who really does really love her job and her workplace. Maybe the, the thing is to look for the things, you know, and to have them uppermost in your mind um, so that you're thinking about them when the question arises. Yeah. And if she's worried that people think she, you know, seems like a complainer or too negative, maybe even if something negative slips out, like, oh, I have so much work to do. She could, because she says she regrets it as soon as it's out of her mouth. Maybe she could have followed up with, but I love, you know, the assignment that my ninth graders are working on. Like, you know, just so that she's not leaving people with the negative. It is true. Research shows that we do have there's something called the negativity bias, which is that we're more our interest is more captured and we remember better things that are negative. So if you're thinking about just experience in general, the negative things carry more weight. And so you do really have to kind of throw your energy into overcoming that um, to really be thinking about the positive sides because the negativity will um, assert itself more authoritatively. And then, Gretch, I know you think it's good to sort of you were saying like maybe in the morning think about what something positive 
Right. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Like if she said she she genuinely loves what she does and where she works. So maybe really to counteract the negative negativity bias, really think about the things she's grateful for, the things she loves, because then that will drive out those feelings of annoyance and irritation and resentment. Um, because the fact of the matter is, I mean, I think she's sort of pointing this out here, is that people do tend to turn away from people who are persistently negative. I mean, whether or not they should, they do. You know, we catch energy from each other. We're, it's called emotional contagion. We catch emotions from each other. And so, you know, if you're too much of a downer, um, it really, it can be something that can affect your relationships with other people. So I think it's really something that's worth thinking about, how to do it in an authentic way, um, but also to um, think about how to be authentically positive. Yeah. All right. So Allison, I uh, hope that helps and let us know. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing, from hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting. His retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to StoryWorth.com happier. That's StoryWorth.com happier to save $10 on your first purchase. All right, Gretchen, this week you are up with a happiness demerit. Yes, this is a demerit that I give myself now, and I've given my given it to myself for the last several years, and I, I really don't know what to do about it. And and this is this is the question of summer. So when you're a kid, your summer is very different from your your fall and your winter and your spring. And um, and I really like that. And for a lot of grown-ups, that's still true. Like there's something about their summer that makes it very different from the rest of the year. And I was reading. I love Robertson Davies, and um, he wrote. Every man makes his own summer. The season has no character of its own unless one is a farmer with a professional concern for the weather. And he says, adventures are what make a summer. Mm. And, I, you know, I thought uh, every year I think I want to do something to make summer special so that I can, and I, I think you can almost get like double life because, you know, right. it's for some people have like crazy different, like they actually live in a different place. They have different friends, different activities. I can't do that because I got my, you know, I've got my work to do. And I feel like maybe I don't really want to have a different summer because, I, I mean, I'm a writer. I could have a very different schedule right. if I wanted it. Um, and so I keep saying that I want this and then not doing anything to bring about change. So maybe I don't really want a, a different kind of summer, but then I keep thinking that I do. I don't know. You know me. Do you, what do you think? Do you think I want to? What, what's the deal? I think you probably don't really want a different summer because you really like routine, but that you want to want a different summer because you know that it would be, it would expand your life. So you're warring inside over these two desires, uh, much like the dog situation. No, I could choose the bigger life. Choosing the bigger life would probably be to have some kind of different summer. It would. I mean, I'm wondering, you know, summer is three months, let's say June, July, August. I'm wondering if you just picked one month ah. to be really different, if that would give you, you wouldn't feel like you were losing so much of your routine time, but that your July was completely different oh. um, or August, uh, you know, and so then maybe if it was less of a commitment, you'd be more likely to do it. 
That is a great idea. Okay, well, now I have to wait till next summer to try this. But <laughs> I'm, I'm anything that next August, it's going to be radically different. Everything Let's is going to schedule it yes. next year. Yeah. That you me and the dog have. are going to go off yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and do something crazy. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, so that's my demerit. Okay, gold star. What's your gold star? Uh, my gold star goes to a complete stranger. Uh, Gretch, I, you know, I work on the Disney lot in LA, in Burbank. It sounds so glamorous. Uh, it sounds more glamorous than it is, but um, it is quite wonderful, I must yeah. say. And <laughs> because we have writers' offices here, but then in different parts of the lot, uh, shows also shoot here. So, uh, you know, so you'll, all sorts of people are around all the time because productions are going on. So the other day I was coming out of the parking garage and there, as I was coming out of an elevator, this guy was running down the stairs and he looked to me, he's about 20 years old and he didn't even have his shoelaces tied. He was clearly in a huge hurry and he looked to me like an extra who was late. What, how, did you, how did you know that? Just because I've been around all this stuff for so long that I just sort of can identify, you know, uh -huh. oh, that person's in construction, that person's an actor, that person's an extra, that person's a director, et cetera. Um, so anyway, he was coming down the stairs and you could just tell he, he needed to get where he was going. And he went out the door and then he just screeched to a stop and he <laughs> held the door open for me. Ah. And then I went through and I, of course said, thank you. And then he just took off sprinting across the lot. And I could tell like he wanted to keep going because <laughs> he was in a hurry, but he was so polite that he could not not hold the door for me. It was so and ingrained. Just, it was so ingrained. And I just thought, well, that's so nice because it was just like, hey, civility still matters. And I don't know if I would have done the same. So it was also a little wake up call to me. Well, I can tell you, I would not do. I am the worst about that. When I'm in a hurry, <laughs> I just like basically am kicking people out of my way. You just take and, like, no prisoners. Yeah, like knocking little children off their tricycles. <laughs> I mean, I really like. I get so focused, and I so I that takes a lot of discipline. Too. Yeah. So I thought he was so sweet, and so gold star to the stranger uh, who held the door for me on the Disney lot. And if you hear this guy, like by some miracle, tell us, because that would be so great yeah, if he knew great. that he had earned that gold star. It would. So that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember, try this at home. Choose the bigger life. Let us know if you've ever tried it and if it worked for you. And uh, if you have any advice about having a dog, now that I know that I'm going to get a dog, I would love to hear that too. Oh, wow. Whole new realm. <laughs> Whole new realm. Thanks to all our listeners for weighing in about the dog. And if you want to read the many thoughtful comments, check out happierpodcastdogs.tumblr.com. And remember, Tumblr is T-U-M-B-L-R. And Gretch, one last thing on the dog front. Uh -huh. um, I know how you are. And when I think of you incorporating a dog into your daily life with your like need for order and your need not to do tasks and have errands, uh, I, I kind of have to laugh because it's <laughs> going to be a very fascinating transition, which reminded me of the last line of the theme song uh, from the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. You know, a uh, fascinating transition. Damn it! I'll keep you posted. Can't wait. 
And thanks to our producer, Henry Malofsky. Also, thanks to Laura Mayer and Andy Bowers from Panoply. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend. That really helps us. And subscribe to us in iTunes. And rate and review. Instructions on my site if you need them. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. This podcast is part of the Panoply Network. Check out our entire roster of podcasts at iTunes.com slash Panoply. Damn it!